Molly just read a portion of, uh, recited a portion of Isaiah 61 to us. And if you can open up your Bibles, we're going to plant there this morning. And I just want to encourage you to uh, keep your finger there because uh, we're going to reference it. And uh, we want to read a few more verses together this morning. Isaiah chapter 61. We're going to read verses uh, 1. Uh, and we are going uh, all the way through verse 7, and then we're going to read verse 10. Okay, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And then in verse 10, he declares, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. Again, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is no doubt that the Christmas season is coming at us full bore. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. And then, of course, there are 25 days of Hallmark movies that are giving us more happy endings than, from personal experience than you can actually stomach in one whole season. There are uh, ad after ad that just say if you buy this gift or you express your love with this little token, you'll bring joy into your life this Christmas season. And it seems everywhere we go that there is lights and tinsel and garland attached to every conceivable surface and so you got to eat the cookies and you got to give the gifts you got to sing the songs because this is the season of joy and it's coming at us but as i've talked with people i have found that there are many among us who really this is not a season of joy for us Perhaps you've experienced a loss during this past year or in this season. It's quite possible that maybe you received a negative health report that you've been trying to deal with. Maybe you have some strained relationships in your family and they're only uh, emphasized because you've got to have more family gatherings together. And in these and other ways, I know that there are many of us who 
who are not experiencing this joy that is being thrown upon us in this season. And God's people are walking in that same place where some of you may be at today, not feeling much joy. Because you see, at the time where Isaiah is writing, he is pointing to a time where God's people are going to be taken off in uh, captivity. The Babylonian Empire is going to be coming in, and because of their rebellion against God, God is doing hands-off, and they are going to be taken into exile into Babylon. And we know from history that it was there that they lived for 70 years in captivity. And Isaiah, in our passage, begins to point to a time when God's people are going to return from captivity. And you can imagine how excited they are to think about that. Right? They're gone, and they've been in this land, they're thinking, oh man, if we could just go home, if we could just go back to, to our homeland, and, and it's going to be so beautiful and wonderful, and oh, it'll just be a fantastic experience. But when they come back into that land, what are they going to find? They're going to find the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. They no longer have a, a city to keep them safe. They're going to find the beauty of the temple, of, of, of Solomon's temple, it's going to be just lying there in, in rubble. Their homes are going to be uh, ashes. And their fields will have been all trampled. And so as they begin to think about coming back home, there is simply no joy within them. There's nothing about it that elicits uh, an element of joy because everything to them seems like bad news. And so to those people, Isaiah writes, and I believe he writes to us today who are maybe in that same place today, Isaiah comes along and he writes uh, chapter 61 here, and he says to God's people, he says, Bashar, Bashar, that's a Hebrew word. It's a Hebrew word, and it is the first word of Isaiah 61, Bashar, and it means proclaim. The very first word. Isaiah, it means proclaim in the sense that I have something new to tell you. I have to let you know that there is something fresh on the way. And so Isaiah is starting as these people are feeling this. He's saying, hold on now. Listen up, Bashar, there is something new coming your way. This is not the end of it all. There's a new day coming. I want you to hear that, Bashar. And he comes and he proclaims to them. Not once, <coughs> excuse me, not twice, but three times he says the word, meaning I want you to hear this, Bashar. As Isaiah, as I was thinking about this, it reminded me when I was back at Hope College and I was on the, uh, I'd be in a, on the wrestling team and I'd be in a match and it'd be after the second period and maybe I was struggling a little bit and uh, Coach DeHorn would come up to me and he'd grab me by the shoulders. He'd say, Bobby, you can do it. Bobby, you, you can get him. The third period is yours. You're in, you're in, you're in better shape than he is. You've worked hard at this. You can take care of him. And he would renew my hope. He would renew my confidence and allow me to go out and face the day and face that next period. Bashar, 
And I think Isaiah is doing that here as well, that he is grabbing us by the shoulders. You think you're in a situation that's a done deal. You think you're in a situation where you can't begin to experience any joy at all. And he grabs us by the shoulders and he goes, I'm proclaiming something to you. i got to tell you a new thing that God is going to do. This is not the end deal because what is God going to do? He says right here in verse 3, God will provide. Verse 3, God will provide. You're his child and he is a good father. And what he wants to bring to you is good things. That is who God is. He made a covenant promise to you that he would always be there to care for you and to give you life and to give you life abundantly. That is who God is, and God is going to provide to you. And what does God provide? He provides instead. God provides instead. That's what God provides. You think of the word instead? It means you think something is going this way, but it's going to be different. It's going to go that way instead. That's what you're going to get. God is in the business of changing things. God is in the business of turning things on its head. God is in the business of, we read these words in here, that God is going to renew. God is going to restore. God is going to rebuild. That's what God does. He does the instead. And in here, he listed six or five of them, I believe. And let's just kind of read those together. I'll read the beginning part, and if you can read the second part. I'm going to read where the people are at. You're going to read what God's going to do. So we are in verse, verse 3. And instead of ashes, God is going to bring... There we go. How about, keep reading... Instead of ashes, he's bringing them a crown of beauty. Instead of ashes, he's bringing the oil of joy. That's a trade, isn't it? Here we go. Instead of mourning, he's bringing a garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of despair, what is God bringing? Yes, you're going to become oaks of righteousness. If we look over at verse 7, instead of shame, What are you going to receive? A double portion. And the rest of verse 7, instead of disgrace, what are you going to receive? An inheritance. Do you begin to see what God is doing? How God is turning everything on its head? Because God is in the instead business. That's who our God is. The God of the instead. And Isaiah is saying to to his people, He said, you're going to be coming back into your land and you're going to see ashes and you're going to see trampled fields and you're going to see ruined walls, but that's not the end because God is going to do something different instead. He's going to renew. He's going to restore. He's going to rebuild. That is who God is. And because of that, Because of that, we are able to delight greatly in the Lord, and my soul can rejoice in God. 
see, that's what joy is. Joy is not contingent on our situation because our situations change. <coughs> Excuse me, I didn't bring my water bottle here this morning. Maybe somebody could rescue me some water. Wait a minute. <coughs> oh, excuse me. My family is taking care of me this morning. Thank you. Uh, Becca, you don't have Corona, do you? And it doesn't matter. I had it already, so drink up. Thank you. That's what joy is, see? Joy is not based on our situation because those situations change, and they can be pretty bad sometimes. But joy is knowing that we are under the sovereign hand of a God who works the instead in life. And it's the deep-seated knowing that Bashar, that something new is coming our way, that tomorrow is going to be different because of God, because of what God is going to do. And we hold on to that into our life, and that's what moves us forward uh, each and every day that we know tomorrow is going to be different because that's what God is going to do. He promised that he would do it. God said that he would do it. And God is going to rebuild and renew and restore my tomorrow, and I know he's going to do that. I hold on to that hope. It sets deep within me, and so I can move forward in joy. And it's implanted within us. One of the most, they ask sometimes, you get asked who influences your, your thinking and your life sometimes. And as a pastor, you may think I would lift up uh, uh, somebody like John Calvin or uh, maybe uh, Francis Schaeffer or N.T. Wright or, or any of these kind of names. But one of the, the people who has most influenced my life, and there is a picture of them in my office, is Miss B. Miss B, <clears throat> you may have heard me talk about her before. She is a woman that I met when I was in college. When I was in college, I did a semester in Philadelphia where we would go, we'd live in the city, we'd work an internship, and we would just, it was a whole different kind of learning experience. And I worked in a uh, church in the middle of a government housing project in Philadelphia. Not a very, in my youthful ignorance, I didn't realize how unsafe I was, but I was very unsafe uh, in that uh, environment. Uh, as I, I worked in there, but I got to know Miss B because she was one of the people that we would meet in the, in the housing complex. And often uh, I, had to, I had to do the important things like lead bingo. That was an assignment that I had in my life, and it was intense. Bingo can get really, really intense. And we played for canned goods. We played for food because people were low income and they needed food. And that was one of the things I did. Miss B was one of those participants. <coughs> Excuse me. You must have good stuff to say today because I think I got the enemy right there in my mouth. <laughs> I didn't realize Becca put ice in here. <laughs> I'm sorry, all of, a sudden, all of a sudden I had a big ice cube in my mouth. All right, Becca, we're back on track, all right? No, you can't blame this on the coronavirus, all right? My thinking is crystal clear this morning. Miss B, I got to know Miss B, and uh, uh, why I, I bring up her name is because for me in this whole topic, she is the one who taught me the most about joy. 
Because Miss B had absolutely nothing. She, as I said, she lived in a government housing project. She had absolutely nothing. She was in a wheelchair because she had had a stroke, and so she could not move her, her one arm, and she could not move her one leg. So she had no mobility. As she went up to her room on the fourth floor where she would take me from time to time, she would have to carry a knife with her underneath her blanket in case somebody tried to rob her while we were on the way up. Her apartment was a cockroach, dirty, nasty place to live. Often she would have to open the oven and turn the heat on so she would have heat. It was, uh, I was just shocked at the existence that she had to live. As a, as a young man who was raised in Jenison, Michigan, I never experienced anything like that. But that was her, that was her world. But you know what she taught me? She taught me joy. How could this woman possibly have joy? And you'd ask her that question, and she'd look at you, and she would say, Oz has my Jesus. That's where her joy came from. I has my Jesus. And one day, that Jesus is bringing me to a better home. That house where she lived wasn't permanent. And on that day, I will walk again. And I will be made new. Miss B knew God. She knew the Bashar. She knew that her tomorrow was going to be different. And so even in the midst of that environment where she was living in, that all of us would just think we'd be devastated in, she lived every day with joy because she knew she was moving forward to something better that her God was going to bring her because our God is in the instead business. Our God renews, restores, and rebuilds. And one day God was going to do that in her life. If it wasn't now here on earth, it would be one day in eternity. And I know today Miss B is experiencing that in her life. And that's the joy that God is offering to you today as well. And you may be saying, well, Pastor Bob, that's really good for Miss B. <laughs> good for her, but I just don't see it. I don't, in my experience, I don't understand how I could have that joy, how I could experience that, that same thing. Because I just don't believe it. My pain is too great. My hurt is too large. My struggle is, is, is just been going on for I don't see how anything can change. In fact, I'm not even sure that God even cares about me at all. If that's the situation that you're in today, I want to encourage you to think about the events that we are celebrating here at Advent time. Because it is in this season that we remember that God sent us a gift. God sent us a gift. And that gift was his son, Emmanuel, God with us. And in and through Jesus Christ, God entered the world to bring instead into this world. Through Jesus Christ, God was able to bring his power to rebuild, to renew, to restore into this world today so that we could experience this. And so if you're wondering if God can do this in your life, look at the gift 
of Jesus Christ. When Jesus grew and he was about 30 years old, Luke 4 tells us that Jesus went to the synagogue uh, as was his custom. And so Jesus went to the synagogue, and in the synagogue there they would read the Torah, and there they would uh, pray, and there they would study. And on this day, Jesus went uh, to the synagogue, and as Jesus was there in the synagogue this day, as happened, the men of the village took turns doing the reading and giving the teaching. And on this day, it was Jesus' turn to read the Torah. And Jesus took the Torah, and whether he chose it or it was the selection for the day, Jesus opened the Torah, and he read from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus went. And he sat down. All eyes were on him in the synagogue, waiting for the teaching of this passage. And Luke tells us that Jesus said these words. Today, in your presence, this passage has been fulfilled. Did he actually say that? I mean, are you grasping with what Jesus is, is saying here? Jesus is saying, me, Jesus. I am the one who has, that the Spirit of God is upon. And I have been anointed, and we know from our study in Leviticus that when you're anointed, you are set apart for a purpose. And I have been anointed. I am the Christ who has come to proclaim good news and bring the instead work of God into the world. Are you looking for it? You need not to look any longer because I am it. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did? If you read the Gospels, that's exactly what Jesus did to, to a man who was blind and could not see along the road. Instead, Jesus gave him sight. 
to a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and, and had never experienced love from a man who had been ostracized from her community and who was so alone. Instead, Jesus brought healing and brought her back into relationship. To a man who was covered with leprosy, instead of having a life filled with that illness, never thinking he could again be made well, instead, Jesus made him well. To a tax collector who thought life was found in the things of this world and in money, and gaining the money and resources, and yet he was so empty inside, instead, Jesus pointed him to the treasures of the kingdom of heaven. To two sisters who were upset with him because they said Jesus let their brother die instead of him laying in that tomb, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth and raise him to life. Instead of leaving all of us under the weight of sin and death, with an eternity to be estranged from God, instead, Jesus went to the cross so that we now could be called the righteousness of God. Jesus, the gift of God, did exactly everything that the prophet Isaiah said would happen. He is the one who does the instead work of God, and because he's here in this world right now, already with us, Jesus can rebuild and renew and restore and bring that instead work into our life. That's what he promised he would do. That's what he showed us that he does, and he will do it in your life. He will do it in your life so that you too can say that I delight in the Lord and my soul rejoices in God because where I'm at today is not where I'm going to be at tomorrow. Because I love my Jesus. And he's taken me to a new place tomorrow. That's who Jesus is. <coughs> but friends, there's a catch to all of this. If you want to experience that joy, we know that it only comes in one place, and that is through the gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And the catch is this. You have to receive the gift. You have to receive the gift. I mean, can you imagine that all of a sudden you, uh, I can imagine that my, my sister living down in Florida sent me a gift, and it got delivered, you know, by FedEx or UPS, and it was set there on my porch. And hey, we sent you a gift today. I'm like, oh, that is awesome. I have a gift from my sister and it's out there on my porch. And every day I just leave it on my porch. I never bring it in. I never open it up. I know she sent me a gift. I know she gave me a gift. But I've never experienced the gift. Because I never brought it in and I never received it. I mean, we wouldn't think of doing that, would we? We get that. And yet there are many of us, when God gave his gift to us, Jesus Christ, who has come in the world to give you life and to give it abundantly, to fill you with joy, has left that gift just sitting there. Oh, we know it's a gift. 
fact, we may show up on Christmas Eve, and that's when we show up and go, oh, yeah, God gave us that gift. I know about that. But we've never received it. And friends, I just want to encourage you this Advent to take that step, to receive that gift that God has given you, Jesus Christ. That you say to God, I am opening up my life, God, because I do have hurt, I do have pain, I, I don't see how things could be any different, but I know that it, that it will happen in you because you are the God who rebuilds, renews, restores, and you do it in and through Jesus Christ. And so today I want Jesus, I turn towards him. I won't listen to the enemy anymore that says nothing will ever change. You're always going to be sick. You're always going to be sad. You're always going to be strained. I'm not going to listen to him anymore, but I'm going to listen to you who says I'm sending Jesus into the world. Good news of great joy that for all people, for all people, because he is a savior. And that's a promise for everyone here that Jesus can do that in our life today. I encourage you to receive him. Because if you receive him, then you can begin to experience that joy, 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 joy down in your heart. Amen. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Rob. Now we're going to try it again and get it right. We're going to, you can experience the joy, 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 joy down in your heart. Oh, how beautiful. That was beautiful. Down in your heart to do what? To stay. Friends, believe the good news. God, we thank you for this morning, that we are able to come here and, and worship you and praise you. And joy may seem a little abstract to us, but we, we thank you for the words of Isaiah that help us see that our, our joy is not rooted in what we have today, but what we know and what you will do tomorrow. And God, we give you, we, we rejoice in you because you sent Jesus. So even right now, today, we can experience your breakthrough. And I want to pray for those who are here this morning or for those who are listening online that they, they would be able to experience right now a rebuilding, a restoration, a renewal in their life. God, would you send your power in their life to do something that they don't think could be done? And God, may they hold on to that hope and may they give them joy knowing that their tomorrow is going to be different. Bless them with that, that joy, God. And then, God, as we move forward and we navigate the ups and downs of this life, may we continue to hold tightly onto Jesus Christ. And may we let that joy sink deeply down within us so that we know no matter what we face, no matter what the situation is at, that we can continue to move forward in joy. Because that joy of the Lord is our strength. That's how we move forward. God, would you bless this church family with a measure of your joy like they've never experienced before. And may they be able to mark this day and say, this is the day that I received Jesus Christ and I knew that everlasting joy. Pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, 
Amen. Let us respond to this word of joy with some exuberance and joy in our life as we remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength.